0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the uh, long-awaited, perhaps, return of Chirps, the St. Louis Cardinals podcast for birds on the black. Tara and Alex back again. Yes, uh, you are hearing that correctly. This is not a an old replay episode. We did an episode uh, just as spring training was beginning. Alex, I went back and and tried to catch up with where we were when we left off. And then unfortunately the reality of life kind of hit pretty hard for most of the rest of the summer, at least on my part. So we've not been able to get our schedules back together until now, but Hey, post-season baseball is back. So we might as well jump in now and do a quick catch up on where we are in this season. And then look forward to hopefully as magical a post-season season as the regular season has been. But first, Alex, how are you? It's been more than a minute, to say the least.
1: (laughs) It has been more than a minute. I am doing great. It is an awesome fall day here after what felt like a week of cold and rain. I'm seeing the band Pavement in concert tonight, one of my favorite bands. And most importantly, The Cardinals just finished one of the craziest seasons of our lifetime. Crazy in a good way. I'm not sure it is registered with me yet. Everything that happened, all of the unlikely things that occurred. Um, But perhaps as we talk today, some of that will come more into focus. I don't know.
0: It's hard, I think, to go back and remember Things about this season because so many things have happened and so many moments have been created that were just so storybook that to try to think back to the beginning of it all and relive some of it. uh, I don't know that we have enough time for that or enough Mm -hmm. uh, brain space to (laughs) compile it all. But Alex, I I was thinking this morning... What's crazy in one way about all the craziness is that we weren't even sure this season was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, the last time we yeah. were talking on this podcast, we were saying, wow, I didn't think we'd be here having spring training <laughs> games on the schedule because we thought we might be till mid-July without you know, contract uh, negotiations and, and all of those pieces put into place. So not only did we get a season that did, in fact, have a full 162-game schedule, But it's been one of the most insane seasons, I think, even more than we could have. If we had thrown out the the wildest possibilities of this season, I don't think we would have come close to everything that we've seen this year.
1: I was thinking about what you just said the other day, which is that the lockout seems so long ago. And I had almost forgotten about it. I, I think what triggered the memory is the fact that I was like, oh, wait, the, the regular season is going late this year. What is, oh, that's right. We almost didn't have a season. And I think one of the reasons why, at least for me, it's been easy to forget a lot of things, not just a lockout, but other things that happened in April, May, and June is because Albert Pujols um, has really, in a good way, sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the room since mid-August and so much focus from my end, has just been on, okay, Pujols is playing tonight, um, you know, is he going to hit a home run? Almost similar to what it felt like in 1998 with McGuire, where one player's performance almost felt bigger than the game. I don't want to say it was, because for a good part of that, the Cardinals were still, you know, in the running, like, are they going to win the division? But by September, it kind of felt wrapped up. Uh, I'm not totally, but I felt very good (laughs) <laughs> with the team standing on September 1st, that I could focus almost entirely on Albert Pujols. And that's another thing that made this so enjoyable is it was so, for all the things going on, it was such a tension-free, stress-free thing. Like we didn't have to even have to go into the last weekend wondering, all right, is Pujols going to hit hit number 700? And you know, that would have been a lot of fun too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, those games would have been crazy to watch in Pittsburgh, but Because he had that awesome night in Los Angeles, uh, which, you know, uh, and a bunch of awesome nights that preceded that, we just kind of got to coast into the final week and just enjoy everything. And gosh, it was nice.
0: It really was. You know, I remember talking in, you know, past seasons about man, it would be nice if it if it w- didn't feel like such a struggle for this team to have success, right? You know, if they didn't depend need to depend on a seventeen game winning streak or something like that to go <laughs> to go into the postseason feeling like they're capable. But I would never have imagined what particularly the second half of this season brought to the table. And it wasn't just Pujols, but that you're right did dominate so in so many ways. What the story of this team was. And I think for me, it's been not just because, oh, he's closing in on 700, right? But because we would never have assumed he would hit more than 20 home runs in this season at this point in his career, we would never have assumed that in the second half, he was really going to be leading the charge offensively for this team and not just hitting sort of those garbage time home runs that don't really matter except for the record books. I mean, he he was as... Key, a contributor to this offense, perhaps even more so than anyone on the roster. And when you look at where Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado had been most of this year, I would not have thought that was possible. That that Albert Pujols was still the guy, kind of driving them forward offensively, um, which is what made so much of the second half easy to focus on Pujols. Because again, it was not only yes, he's he's doing these amazing things, hitting these home runs that we never anticipated with the nostalgia of him being back in St. Louis and all of that, but also propelling a really successful Cardinals team to a position they haven't been in in a while where they had that kind of, if you can say it this way, relaxing close to the regular season um, because you didn't, we didn't have the same questions. We didn't have the same doubts. There wasn't the same uh, closeness to, are they going to miss out on the postseason again or not? Um, It just, I, I, I don't know. I, feel like i've talked about it so much just in my life (laughs) that i still don't have a great way to pull into focus um so many of those things and i want to kind of just put this out there as well we knew that this was likely the last season for adam wainwright and yadier molina together whether it's the last season of wainwright or not we still don't know yet um We knew that there would be that emotional energy of the two of them throughout the season. I think the Pujols thing, in some ways, uh, I I don't want to say took away from the Wainwright-Yachty thing, but it definitely elevated itself to its own whole thing. (laughs) Um, But when we have a chance to sort of decompress from this season, what do you think will stand out the most in terms of having the chance to watch those three players do what they did this year um, in kind of the way that it all unfolded? Because it's not something we had anticipated the last time you and I spoke.
1: <laughs> right. I, I think two things will stand out for me. Um, and the, f- the first thing I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of combine two games. Um, but the game at Wrigley Field which I believe the Cardinals won 2-0 on a very, I don't want to say like a, almost like a ball that Albert Pujols hit out of the park that was near his shoulders, that he just kind of wheeled his way, uh, muscled the ball out of the park. That that was a big home run. Um, and, and, I, and to your point that his home runs mattered a lot down the stretch. So I'll remember that. And also, um, the other game I want to combine with it is the fact that he hit his last, his last at bat against the Cubs, he hit a home run. And I I think that is just so entirely cool. I also think it's cool that his very first plate appearance at old Bush stadium was a home run. And his very last plate appearance at played appearance at new Bush stadium was a home run. I think that's very cool. The other thing I will remember is a game in uh, mid August. And this was kind of right when we started really paying attention to Pujols but that was the game he hit the grand slam against Colorado that they won like 13, nothing that they, they brought him in as a pinch hitter in like the fourth inning or something. I, I don't yeah. remember, yeah. but it was very early. And the point was, Hey, let's, let's try to end this game right now. And the reason why I'll remember that game is because he didn't just hit that grand slam, but Wainwright pitched seven innings and struck out seven and didn't walk anybody and didn't allow a single earned run, which I mean, goes without saying when you win 13, nothing and Yachty, caught uh ryan mcmahon trying to steal so it was like a a game that featured contributions from three guys who were all on the roster 17 years ago (laughs) uh, or whatever how many years ago and that's incredible so i think i guess that's kind i don't know if 10 years from now i'm going to specifically remember these games but i think if i were to write sort of a Synopsis of the season. I would focus it on all of that, which is funny because it doesn't even bring up their the two best players, <laughs> which are Nolan Arnado and Paul Goldschmidt, who there's a chance could finish one two in the MVP vote. I, I think I don't know if Arnado will will get second. I think Goldschmidt will probably win, but yeah, that's how good they were. And sorry guys, we 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 we're, bar- <laughs> we're barely going to talk about you.
0: Yeah, it's that's why I, I feel like trying to talk about this season would take. Weeks to to really dive into each of those individual storylines because there's so many things. It's funny you mentioned that that Pujols, uh Grand Slam because for me that was the moment that the season took a totally different turn where it wasn't just like oh this is fun. It was like hold on a second. <laughs> that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and the the reaction from the fans, the uh, sort of the energy at that point, and the fact that hold on, Albert Pujols is not just here for a farewell tour. Like This is significant. And as you said, there were so many games where Pujols did this, Melina did this, Wainwright did this, and you kind of wanted to go, wait, is this the right year that I'm looking at this box score from? Because it seemed so familiar and yet so unexpected all at the same time, which was just so much fun. There will be so much time to reflect on all of those little moments. I think the fact that the three of them came off the field together in their last regular season home game at Bush was an image that will stand out to me so strongly in thinking about this season and the way that it played out and the fact that those three, came to the end of a regular season, not just as three legends in Cardinals baseball, but as three really key factors in getting the team to where they are heading into the postseason. Um, sure, season didn't end how Adam Wainwright wanted it to end, um, but I, they don't make it to this point without him doing what he did earlier in the year as well. I, I feel very strongly about that. So to see the three of them coming off together like that, that was a um, one of those sentimental moments that, had nothing to do with X's and O's and box scores and game strategy and any of those things, but it meant a lot as someone who was really invested in, in these three people and their baseball careers, but also, you know, who they uh, present themselves to be off the field and all those things as well. Um, that is maybe the image that I think will, will really last a long time for me.
1: Oh, it, w- it was perfect. It worked out perfectly, them walking off the field together. And the reason why I say that is I- I'm sure you watched the ceremony before that game um, when Adam Wainwright said something to the effect of, look, if-, if Albert had stayed, I truly believe we would have won two more championships yeah. or, so- or something of that effect. Well, mm-hmm. what's ironic about that is if Albert had stayed, I don't know if Yachty's on that stage right there at that time. Uh, I don't know if Wainwright's talking. Um, you, you know, I think they were both signed in 2012 and 2013, respectively, I believe. I don't remember who signed their contract and what year. Uh, through the years 2018, 2017, 2018, there's been a lot of talk that, look, if if the Cardinals sign Pujols to a 10-year deal in 2011, in December of that year, do they have the finances, according to Bill DeWitt, to, to lock those guys up. I don't know. And even if they do, let's say they did. And Albert ends up these next 10 years being a Cardinal. Does he make it to this point? Because (laughs) obviously with the, he had that, does he sort of have his own burnout, but instead in St. Louis and all of a sudden the Cardinals are left with a tough decision say, last season or the season before, where what, are, what do we do with this guy? Is it time to cut bait and, you know, have an awesome ceremony for him and then kind of kindly show him the door? I mean, that right. that very well could have happened. And that's why I say this really worked out perfectly. <laughs> and not even the fact that he had an OPS uh, that was higher this season than any season he had Outside of St. Louis, and we're not talking about like a hundred plate appearances. I mean, yeah. how many plate appearances did he end up did he end up having? I'm going to look right now, but it was it was a lot more than people thought he would get. I think when they signed him. Let me. All right, where are you at, Albert? 351 plate appearances. Um, that's a lot for a guy his age and, and where he had been the last few seasons. Yeah. So. Yeah. it really did it just worked out perfectly uh, so many things had to happen had to go correctly for all three of those guys. I know Wainwright wasn't being honored but he essentially was even if he does even if he does come back next year um, so many things had to happen for that moment to work out like it did for those three guys so that's another thing that's just really cool
0: and I think not only those things had to happen for those three to be where they are, but it, again, we're talking about Paul Goldschmidt, probably the NL MVP. I don't, I don't think there's really any way to not think that at this point, despite the September that he had. Nolan Arenado, who could very well be second in that race if you look at the numbers uh, that he put up this year as well. If Albert Pujols had stayed, would either of those two be St. Louis Cardinals? In the capacity that we're seeing them now, so there, uh, it's impossible to go back and think, oh yeah, it's as simple as if Albert would have stayed. Obviously, it, it sounds good and it, it plays well to the fans, <laughs> uh, and it could have been the case, right? But we may not have had the the season that this has been, or even the extended legacies of those players in the same way. I do want to mention um, Goldie and Arenado quickly because in any other year, in any other scenario the seasons that those two have put up would be like I mean, we've talked about this before Alex where it it felt like it had been a really long time since the cardinals had a billboard player right the guy that all of baseball looks to and is like wow he's he's the best in baseball at this thing um Paul Goldschmidt was that guy most of the year Nolan Arenado was right behind him in most cases, sometimes edging him out depending on the week and who had the, the more successful week of, you know, the two best in the national league. Um, I don't think it's possible to really completely digest the, the impact that they had on the team success because of the emotional weight of the, the three guys that we've just been talking about and who have really taken up most of the headlines. Um, but man, they've been just as fun to watch this year. And in some ways, I think for Goldschmidt, um, I don't want to say just as surprising, but surprising in a really good way as well that, you know, we hadn't seen the best days of Paul Goldschmidt in Arizona and that this was this sort of new, refreshed, consistent version of what we hoped we were getting when Paul Goldschmidt came to St. Louis in the first place.
1: Yes, and I think we can also put to bed... uh can Nolan Arenado slug over 500 <laughs> outside of Coors, you know, all that yes. stuff. Uh, he obviously showed he can still hit for power when not playing 81 games a season at course Field, which I think a lot of us knew, which, you know, evidence has shown that, look, if you're a good hitter at Coors, a very good hitter at course you're probably going to still be a very good hitter uh, wherever <laughs> else you may go. Um, but y- your point is well taken when you think that, like, I remember after Albert left, it seemed like there was a stretch where we had a lot of very good players, but no one who seemed like quite elite. Uh, Matt Holiday was close. Uh, Tommy Pham had that crazy 2017. Um, Matt Carpenter had was an, just an interesting player and a great player at times that 2013 season. And then he reinvented himself in 2018 and had one of the greatest stretches of any Cardinal I've ever seen. But from a whole season standpoint, just from a consistency standpoint, it, it really felt like that void had left with Albert, but we just saw a combined almost 1300 plate appearances from Goldschmidt and Arnato and they, uh, and Aronado had 151 WRC plus Paul Goldschmidt, 177. Uh, Oh, and Albert Pujols, again, we mentioned earlier, 350 plate appearances, 151 WRC plus, uh, <laughs> I don't know when the last time we had a Cardinal with a 150 WRC plus, um, let alone three. I should have looked this up before we started recording. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes back to Albert Pujols.
0: No.
1: I'm serious. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So I I think that right there speaks volumes. Uh, I'm curious if the Cardinals have a bad postseason, lose to the Phillies, Well, that – I mean, obviously, you're going to enjoy the season more and think more fondly about the season if they, like, win the World Series, of course. But let's say that doesn't happen. There's a very good chance that won't happen. There's a lot of good teams they have to play, including the Phillies. And especially when we're talking about a three-game series, if it was the Washington Nationals, I wouldn't feel 100% (laughs) confident. So there you go. But let's say they lose to the Phillies. Does that – How does that make you feel about this season?
0: You know, it's always interesting when, so when we're talking about stats, right? Postseason stats don't count towards your regular season numbers, right? Albert Pujols had hit more than 700 home runs in his career, if you count postseason home runs, but we don't count that in terms of the stats we all quote, the baseball card stats, right? And yet somehow the postseason results do have an impact on how we feel about a season overall. I mean, we think back on other great Cardinals teams in the last decade or so, and the great regular season teams that fell apart in the postseason, we don't, we don't go back and think quite as often about how great the regular season was we just think oh they were really great and they fell apart in the postseason um so i think it's going to be interesting regardless of what happens especially with this new postseason format and how that all shakes out because i don't want anything to take away from how remarkable this regular season was because as we keep saying on so many levels, it ticked so many boxes of the things that make baseball fun, right? It's the first time in a long time that Cardinals baseball was not just fun because I love baseball, but it was exciting because you never knew on any given night, you turn a game on what history you might see. And some of that was Pujols, yes, but I think, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, a lot of the, the rookies that came up and did remarkable things were just this added storyline and the fact that to me one of the coolest things of this season is that you have guys like brendan donovan and lars Newtbar, among others who are playing day in and day out alongside of potentially five hall of fame guys like That's really cool (laughs) to have young guys who have the opportunity to not only come up and watch those guys work, those potential Hall of Famers do their thing, um, but to contribute right alongside them and really become equals in the sense of uh, Lars Núpár had just as much of an opportunity to impact a game as Albert Pujols did. Um, And I don't want that to get lost in whatever happens in the next few weeks of the postseason because the magic of 2022 for the Cardinals, to me, is not dependent on what happens in the next few weeks because the postseason is always madness. <laughs> and It's anyone's game at that point. The Cardinals have, have benefited from the fact that you don't have to be the best team once you get to the postseason to make it all the way to the World Series. So I guess that's sort of a long-winded answer to your question because, yes, it will make a difference. I mean, it'll feel like the the whole thing comes full circle if they have a great postseason run world series title or not I think for me if they lose to the Phillies in the wild card series that'll sting a little bit more (laughs) than if they at least make it past that opening round Um, but I don't want to let that result take away from how extraordinary the rest of the season was because it's one that that truly I, I don't I don't think anyone could have scripted with the same kind of depth and intensity and emotion that it actually had in real life.
1: I agree 100%. And especially with how much easier it is now to, to make the postseason. you. Mm-hmm. And I'm a regular season person. I, I, I think 162 games um, is such a different beast than the playoff, format and look i i get why it exists the way it does and it's not gonna change at, at least in terms of fewer teams so there's no reason to complain about that but i think it's important to really recognize a regular season when we're talking about a baseball regular season that's so long and that let's take the dodgers for instance who how many games did they just win a, a crazy amount of games um yeah. i maybe the most in the national league since the Gosh, since I, I, I should know this again, another thing I should have looked up, but I just know they just want a crazy amount of games. Yeah. If they lose in what will be their first round, whoever they end up playing, that doesn't devalue what they just did. Um, because baseball is baseball and a lot can happen in a five game series and a three game series or whatever. Um, where the value is, is over those 162 games. And you're right. It's going to sting if we are to lose to the Phillies, which gosh, let's hope that does not happen, please. (laughs) But I'll still have the exact same memories of. Yep. And, and the same, I I don't know, the same, I think, enjoyment that I just finished experiencing with the regular season as I would, if they were to go, I don't know the, the whole way, just like I still have very, fond memories last year when they won 17 in a row that was so cool yeah. that was something yeah. and i think we talked about it on here that we knew we were probably never going to see again so you so you really need to enjoy that and as soon as they lost that game to the dodgers on that walk-off home run was it chris taylor who hit that home run gosh i'm glad i forgot i, think I
0: blocked it. it out of my yeah, mind yeah, yeah. I'm glad I
1: <laughs> what, whoever whoever it was I still thought back and like, you know what? That was still an awesome time. That seven, You know, you don't yeah. win 17 games in a row very often, if ever. So I'm still pretty satisfied. That said, let's like go to the World Series. That
0: I'll would take be, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't <laughs> think we're – I'm not done enjoying v- these three guys. I'm not done enjoying Goldschmidt-Arnauto's season. I'm not done, as you said, getting a look at these rookies. So we might as well make it last as long as we can.
0: I will say, uh, uh, gosh, probably mid-August, I made a prediction uh, just in my own home, not publicized anywhere, that Lars Nupar would be the NLCS MVP. So they need to at least make it that far <laughs> so that that prediction has has a chance of being accurate. Um, okay, so many things, like I said, that we could talk about, about this season, so many things that have demanded headlines. I did ask on Twitter before we started recording what people thought had not been talked about enough this year, because in a season like this, inevitably, there are going to be really significant things that just are not the most significant thing on any given night that maybe don't get the attention that they would otherwise. So I'm going to read through some of these and we can discuss, we can add to, we can agree or disagree and uh, see what other people thought about this season that, Maybe we haven't talked about yet. Okay, so first up, uh, how Zach Thompson completely neutralized left-handed hitters. Uh, Zach Thompson, I feel like we didn't get as much of as maybe we could have <laughs> based on when he was actually on the Major League roster and when he wasn't. Uh, but yeah, huge. Could be a significant thing going into the postseason. Uh, followed up by how good Helsley has been, which is actually you know historic in terms of Cardinal seasons um, for a closer, which the Cardinals have had their issues with consistency in that uh, closer, maybe slightly less traditional role this year. Uh, But Helsley has stepped into it and I'll be honest, I was, I've been pleasantly, I don't know that surprised is really the right word, um, but impressed with the kind of command he's taken of that role and the consistency he's had, because we've seen it. We've seen guys go two, three months looking like they're untouchable and then completely fall apart. Uh, hello, that's why Adam Wainwright <laughs> got to close in 2006, because they needed somebody to to pitch those innings. Uh, so Zach Thompson, Ryan Helsley, yes, significant pieces of this puzzle.
1: Well, I, I, I'll say I'm guilty. I definitely did not spend a ton of time thinking about Zach Thompson as much as I <laughs> perhaps should have. So yes, uh, whoever sent that in, I forget, um, is correct. That, that was something that was under discussed, if if discussed at all, I'm I'm sure somewhere it was discussed a lot more than here and Ryan Helsley. Absolutely. I, I think he's been our best closer. I'm trying to remember, you know, Isringhausen was a long time ago. So I'm trying to remember some of those seasons, but, and this is kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to a closer, they always make you nervous. Trevor Rosenthal, even when he was pitching pretty well, made me nervous. Alex Reyes made me nervous. Uh, Gosh, Mujica in 2013 <laughs> made me so nervous. He was almost unpitchable down yeah, the stretch. Yeah. Uh, Jason Mott, you know, uh, had games like, oh, I don't think his command is where it needs to be. I never felt that nervous with Ryan Helsley. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: just, just for the numbers to back it up, thanks to Cardinals stats and facts on Twitter, uh, Ryan Helsley, single season, 1.25 ERA, first ever for a Cardinals reliever, 0.74 whip, First, for a Cardinals reliever, uh, thirty-nine point three strikeout percentage, first, and a one twenty-eight opponent average, first. So okay. season long, he's done his job quite well.
1: And I was going to say he threw sixty-five innings. This is not like yeah. a guy who, who only threw thirty. Like he, he right. was he was involved in a lot of games.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess that means he deserves his own uh, sort of intro production at bush stadium with the lights and the hell's bells and i, I haven't actually seen it uh you know in, in some sort of like good quality and i haven't seen it in person but
1: I, I haven't either but everyone is acting like oh my gosh this is amazing i don't know if it's because <laughs> it was sort of on the heels of uh trumpet got uh timmy trumpet and yep, yep. narco which was awesome by the way Completely yeah. awesome, especially when he went to do it live. They're like, all right, hey, cool. We have our own thing, which, hey, I'm <laughs> glad we have our own thing. But then I saw the video and I was like, all right, yeah, it's cool. I, I I don't need to be retweeting this and sharing this with everybody, but it's cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Well deserved, though. Hopefully the yeah. jammed finger issue is not an issue because this team certainly needs him so, in the postseason.
1: Speaking of that finger, he gave an explanation I read today that it... Felt like when a basketball hits very hard off your fingers or something. Does that mean jammed? What does that mean? Or does that mean? So, I didn't think it was a jammed finger, but when I think of like a basketball hitting your fingers, I think of like a rebound coming the wrong way and you. It,
0: I you I have jammed fingers playing basketball so many times. Uh, when the the ball hits the top of your finger, <laughs> that yeah, there you go. You see we're, this one analyzing yeah Yeah. so i I guess to me that's where my mind went with it because i've done that um but i don't know in terms of his exact sort of uh interpretation of that nonetheless I, i mean i've i've jammed fingers badly enough that um they don't you don't have great grip the next day so hopefully that's hopefully that's not the case uh and ryan helsley is fine okay let me read through a few more of these things that we haven't talked enough about Um, Evan said the fact that Lars Newtbar went from being the fourth outfielder that couldn't hit to basically being the best overall outfielder on the roster. Um, Significant piece there. Also, uh, how Kevin said how Brendan Donovan is the hitter I want up in any situation, which I think is very interesting. One Mm -hmm. of those storylines that's probably not talked about much but he's turned himself into that guy that you you do almost like the the Daniel Descalso type (laughs) in 2011 where you're like okay I'm fine with this like this I, I feel okay with with this situation when it's not maybe the the heavy hitters in the middle of the lineup um all right interesting to note I I got a couple of Brendan Donovan comments I got uh, this about Jeff Albert. For how much criticism Jeff Albert received in years past, it's good to see our offense return to one of the best in the league again. Granted, having two MVPs and Albert helps, but one through nine have been pretty solid all year except for DeYoung. I also, just a few messages later, had um, a criticism of Jeff Albert and the inconsistency of the offense. Do you feel like it's been better enough this year that Jeff Albert can kind of dodge the the heavy criticism <laughs> that he's had uh, in the past years?
1: Yes. And I say this while acknowledging, I don't know what's going on with the hitting coach. So <laughs> it's very hard. A hitting right. coach is hard to evaluate when you're not really kind of on the front line, seeing everything that's going into, especially when it's like a, a system-wide approach that they're trying to adopt. But forget Goldschmidt, Arnado, and look at these young guys like Brendan Donovan. And I, I think the reason why that person said that about Brendan Donovan is because he gets on base, uh, yeah. you know, to sound like the, guy and money but you know what does he do yeah. he gets yeah. on, like he's good at he's really good at working counts and and getting on base and L- Lars Nubar down the stretch very competent player yeah. uh we thought he was just a fun name for a while <laughs> uh we thought that's what he was going to be which was is in and of itself fine but he's also a good player and He's also fun. I don't know if you saw his oh, yeah. I'm sure he saw his interviews in the locker room like he carries himself with a lot Fantastic. of confidence, like the way yeah. he's just a lot of veterans on the team. I, w- I was impressed.
0: I will yeah. say the Lars Nootbar Albert Pujols dynamic has been so endearing to me throughout this season. Uh, and I, I would also add, uh, I don't know that I've had a chance to, to talk about this, but the number of players on this team who are now coming uh, into these interviews where everybody's asking about Albert Pujols and saying, like, yeah, actually, Albert was my favorite player growing up. Or Albert was the guy that I wanted to go see in spring training. Or Lars told a story about how when he was a college player, Albert came to to hit at the field where he was, and he spent a long time talking about hitting with him. And you know it, later this season was able to go up to him and say, hey, do you remember this? Because it's just so cool, those full circle moments for all of these guys who – I guess it brings to light that they're fans of Albert, Albert Pujols just as much as we are. And now they're getting to play alongside him. Um, and so that that Newt Barr uh, energy plus the, I have to imagine that's fun for a guy like Albert too, who's maybe playing with a little more energy and looseness and, and joy than we've seen him in those past really serious first <laughs> 11 years to uh, to have somebody like Newt Barr uh, to loosen him up. Okay, here's one that I thought was interesting. Um, how well the organization handled a lack of consistency from their entire pitching staff, Marmel switching bullpen roles, the front office getting reinforcements, older pitchers taking on roles. They weren't used to young arms, stepping up and taking on innings where they needed to, et cetera. This was significant to me because at the very beginning of the season, you and I talked, everyone really talked about the fact that the Cardinals felt like they had a weakness in their their pitching staff that maybe wasn't addressed in a way that we felt really good about at the trade deadline, obviously bringing in Quintana and Montgomery, um, Stratton in the bullpen, stabilized and elevated that maybe not to the place where we feel like they have the best rotation in baseball. And yes, there are a lot of question marks with the pitching going into the postseason. But I do think overall, um, the team has managed the pitching that they have much more effectively than I would have expected.
1: Yeah. And the criticism was on point And look no further than the fact that Dakota Hudson pitched the third most innings on the team. Right. <laughs> so the, the criticism was not without merit. They pivoted very well at the trade deadline, which got lost because so many of us wanted Juan Soto, myself included. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you want Juan Soto? He's awesome. Um, I don't care if he didn't, you know, Hit the hit like crazy with San Diego. Uh, I, I think his body of work, his first three and a half seasons is worth more than that, but that's probably another topic. Um and yeah, yeah, I, I just think they to give the front office credit, they pivoted very well at the trade deadline. Found a guy like Quintana who makes sense, right? Like in a in a park like Bush Stadium, uh mm-hmm. w- with a good defense behind him. So I give them credit for that.
0: Agreed. Uh, lots of comments about the rookies this year and the roles that they have played, which it does kind of seem like one of those years that uh, every time there was a different need, somebody stepped in, right? We saw that at times from Nolan Gorman. We saw it at times from Juan Yepes. We saw it, of course, we mentioned Donovan and Newbar. Um, not from the rookie perspective, but a lot of comments about Tommy Edmond with quietly uh, a really strong season there as well. Um, yeah, just kind of those role players are what didn't get talked about this year because there was so much hype about uh, Pujols, Goldie, Arenado, and then, of course, Molina and Wainwright as well. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Anything else significant here? Just generally the job Ali Marmol has done, which I actually think is interesting in terms of being a first-year guy who's already young, stepping into a really significant role Um, with high expectations, and then having to manage the whole circus of Pujols, Molina, Wainwright, in addition to... Uh, you're trying to win games, right? There was a question when Pools was signed about how are they going to manage this? Are they going to kind of make this the uh, farewell tour where Albert plays, Molina plays? Not really because it's best for the team, but because it gives fans a chance to see them. I think in general, Marmol has done a a really respectful, respectable job of handling players that. If there wasn't a, a lot of mutual respect there, um might not have it, it might not have seemed so uh, there might not have been so much unity with the the whole group. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that dynamic is like, but it it feels like he was able to find that right tone with needing the players to respect his position as the manager, but also understanding the size of the moment and blending those two things together in a way that allowed them to be successful, but also have these magical moments.
1: I talked to the two Ben's on the Cardinals off day, the great Cardinals off day podcast, uh, I guess last week, and this was discussed uh, mostly just how it's it's probably a lot harder than it looks to manage this roster, which is pretty unique because you have guys who are not just first ballot hall of famers, but you have a guy who's one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, And the numbers bear that out in Albert Pujols. And then you have super, super important guys like, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Who Yadier Molina is not the easiest guy to manage, a, as as we've seen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I think his social media posts speak for themselves. <laughs> like you, you, you have to be delicate with that guy at times, or at least you, certain guys have in the past. And then you have all these young guys who we're talking about and trying to figure out where they fit in with this roster, where their strengths are. I think he's done a really good job. Of of managing this unique roster, uh, in my opinion, uh, putting them in position, the best position to win almost every night. Uh, I thought he did a good job with the bullpen. Uh, I'm sure if I went back and looked at every single game, there's something that would stick out and be like, ah, that was clearly the wrong call there, and everyone knew it at the time. But it wasn't uh, like with some past managers where it felt like every night where we it's just like hitting our head against the wall. It didn't feel like that yeah. at all. If if anything you almost forgot about them, which is nice for a manager. Uh, and it's very hard from our seat to tell what's even going on there. Like if, if you had talked to me at this time last year, I'm sure I would have thought Mike Schilt had very good job security. Uh, yeah, Uh <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think Ollie Marmel has great job security right now, as well as almost anyone in, in MLB. So I'm not implying like he might get fired after they lose like Schilt, not at all. But it's, it is one of those things where you really don't know what's going on unless you're up close when you're in the kind of far back like us, we kind of get little snapshots and we can, I think create pretty legitimate narratives on what's going on. And I think what we saw this year was really, really good.
0: Yeah. Two quick things on that. And then we'll move on to the, the wild card uh, series briefly. Um, I think that Ollie Marmol will forever be justified in taking credit for this season because of that infamous five wants back text that he apparently sent to John Moselak over the off season that perhaps jump started all of this. So if I was Ollie Marmol, I would be going around for the rest of my life telling everyone that I was the reason <laughs> that this happened in the first place, taking credit for those 700 uh, that 700 home run mark uh, in some capacity or the other. But I also think it's very telling that Albert Pujols specifically called out uh, Ollie Marmol in his speech in that, that ceremony on the last Sunday at Bush to say hey, this is a guy that that brought me to this point. And I don't think that he would have done that if Marmel had not found that right tone with the players in the clubhouse to set the expectations, to give room for the veterans to have the impact that they, that they could have uh, in terms of mentorship and leadership and all of those things, um, but also just give them the right environment to go out every day and, and do what they felt like they wanted to do. And Pujols insisted all along, this was, he wanted to help the team win, not just come back for a, a victory tour. Um, and so for him to, to give that shout out to Marmol when he didn't have to, when, um, you know, Marmol was there because of course he was going to be there, but to call that out specifically, I thought spoke very highly of the, uh, the respect between those two, which I'm sure has then trickled down to the way that the rest of the clubhouse um, has viewed this season as well. So, lots of highlight moments, lots of time. Hopefully, this off season to to relive it all. But hopefully, we're not to that off season for quite some time yet. Starting with this three game wild card series, the Cardinals land uh, in the three spot in the bracket um, based on this new playoff format, which means they won their division but do not get a bye as one and two do. And they will be playing the six seed Philadelphia Phillies. The rosters are being announced sort of in pieces as we're recording this, but the starting pitchers have been announced for the first two games, at least it'll be Zach Wheeler versus Jose Quintana in game one and Aaron Nola versus Miles Michaelis in game two. How do we feel about the Cardinals versus the home run happy Phillies in this opening series at Bush stadium?
1: Well, I feel much better against the home run happy Phillies playing them in St. Louis uh, (laughs) (laughs) in a not always home run happy uh, ballpark. Um, Especially as you know the temperatures start to cool a little bit, that you know maybe uh, this will be a good way to cool uh, certain players' bats, like uh, Kyle Schwarber or or whoever else. Um, but I think my real answer is, who knows? Uh, <laughs> anything can happen, and all in a in a best of three series, um, it's no different from you, you know when you go when you're. Going through the season and you have all these three game series in front of you, you would never say like, "Oh gosh, I feel really awesome about this series." Like, no, it's just a three game series, and yeah, you might win two of three, you might lose two of three, uh, and then you just go on to the next. I, it's to me not that much different here. Certainly, they manage a little bit different in the postseason. You because tomorrow doesn't always exist. You you have to pull a starter w- when it's clear they don't have it and things like that. But I would just say. Don't let whatever happens in this series create too big of a narrative. Um, if the yep. Cardinals just w- kick their butt, don't assume that they all of a sudden have momentum and uh, are going to then do the same thing to the Dodgers. Uh, and if the Cardinals lose quickly to the Phillies, it's not because they were bad. Um, it's not because the offense, you know, Jeff, Jeff Albert's bad. It's just because that's baseball uh, in a three-game right. series. And this is not the 2005 Cardinals – excuse me, the 2004 Cardinals, which is really the only team I can think of where I really went into the postseason very confident. Like, yeah. I, I'm i not worried about this series against the Dodgers at all. Um, and look what happened there. We, yeah. They beat the Dodgers pretty quickly. I think f- went four games. But they <laughs> were – stretched to the limit by the Astros and then flat out embarrassed by the Red Sox. So even a team like that, you just never know what's going to happen. So I feel good because I think they're a good team. And I think they're better than the Phillies. And I like the fact that they're playing at home. So I think they should be favored, but I will not be shocked by any outcome. I really won't.
0: I think if we were looking at the August Cardinals, I would have much stronger Feelings of certainty because that that month's version of this team felt like it could literally beat anyone and do it in ways that you know it was one of those it was one of those times during a season where it felt like it didn't matter what happened early in the game they were always going to give themselves a chance to win it at the end um, so if they if they jump back to uh, to that version I think what has people a bit concerned. Fairly so is that they sort of limped to the end with uh, the offensive kind of hit or miss uh, moments, but I I would say that there was a lot of focus being paid to the Albert Pujols home run chase and maybe less so to just the regular baseball stuff of every day. Um, plus, you know, a lot of those guys had a good chance to to rest and not put as much pressure on things the last week of the season. So hopefully that's Helpful, And then, of course, the uh, pitching puzzle is a bit different than we would have expected it to look again if we're talking about the August Cardinals and Adam Wainwright, who still looks like one of the top two guys on this team. Right now, he's not there. However, as you said, because tomorrow is not guaranteed, we have seen that Quintana, yes, will start game one, but the likes of Adam Wainwright, Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty will be available out of the bullpen in game one, right? So then that puts into question who would start a potential game three. But the idea is it's the postseason. You don't worry as much about game three until you get there because you have to get there first. So the Phillies are an interesting opponent. I agree that I think, honestly, I think this is the... The draw that I feel the most comfortable with in terms of the Cardinals in a first round opponent, but there's no feeling comfortable in the playoffs for anybody. So I'm going to be watching with my hands over my eyes most of the time because I uh, can't help but expect um, the postseason to be painful. Because for most people, it is. Uh, there's only really one one fan base that doesn't experience that in any given postseason. So the Cardinals will kick off this. First-time-ever three-game wildcard series. They'll play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if necessary. And, uh, Alex, I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm terrified because I don't want a a sort of painful final memory of this season. But I'm so excited that we had a chance to kind of recap what has been one of the most fun seasons of baseball I can imagine. in in my lifetime as a fan, um, at least in in very recent memory. And uh, I I hope that there are still magical moments left. I hope they have not tapped out of (laughs) those magical uh, Hollywood type moments like we saw in LA with Albert Pujols and so many others throughout the season.
1: Well, I'll just say we talked earlier about how nice it was to Enjoy this last couple of weeks of the season in a more relaxing way than we typically do when when the postseason is is on the horizon. Uh, so I say that because don't get too. I don't think we should get too worried about them. You know, not playing that well down this stretch uh, because they weren't really being pushed by anyone. They really yeah. didn't have much to play for. It really was uh, the Albert Pujols show and and Wainwright and Yadier Molina. So I'm not too worried about the last couple of weeks of baseball. Obviously they were hitting on all cylinders in August, as you said, but you know, I'm, I, I stand by what I said. I, I enjoyed having a nice relaxing final 10 days of the regular season or whatever it was. And now that the playoffs are here, I'm ready for uh, that to kind of go out the window and to just really enjoy S- sla like you said, enjoy slash be terrified by the games that we're about to watch.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The life of a, a committed fan, right? <laughs> well, I am also yeah. excited for the first time in a very long time to end a podcast show with a chirp of the week. So, Alex, take it away.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, can we still call this a chirp of the week since we haven't talked? Is it like the chirp of the year? I mean, <laughs> the chirp of since, the year. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, the chirp for a while, I, yeah. The, the the chirp, we'll just call it that. There right you go. Now. There um, you go. <laughs> I, I I mentioned earlier about that game in mid-August against the Rockies, which saw major contributions from Adam Wainwright, Albert Pujols, and Yadier Molina. And I, I think if you had told us in two thousand six that in 2022 um you know these three guys will contribute um in a big way to a cardinals game uh we would be shocked I, I think if you had told us in 2016 the same thing we'd be even more shocked since albert pujols was playing in anaheim at the time we've we'd been ecstatic but we'd be even more shocked in fact tara i don't know if you remember this but during the pandemic one of our, When we were still trying to do a show every week, one of the topics we discussed was how much it stinks that Albert Pujols probably won't have a chance at 700. I don't know if you remember that, uh, but I saw that in an old episode. And so if you want to have even more appreciation for the fact that he's going to finish his career with 703, well, well, there you go. Um, anyways, I brought up that game in mid-August when Wainwright pitched uh, a scoreless seven and a third Pujols hit a grand slam and went two for three with five RBIs and Yadier Molina caught a guy stealing. So I wanted to look back at other games where the three of them all had big contributions. Uh, And I wanted to go back as far as I possibly could. And the funny thing about that is when you talk about Wainwright being a starter, which began in 2007, there's really not that many seasons where the three of them uh, were, were in those roles Ooh. together. You really just have those four seasons right there, 07, 08, 09, and 10, because as we all know, Adam Wainwright missed all of 2011 uh, with Tommy John. So I was going through baseball reference, and I, again, I just wanted to find a game where all three of them had huge contributions. And my research methods may have not been the best, Uh, What I was doing, I was looking at game logs of Adam Wainwright, where he was having a really good game, where he pitched a really good game. And then I would click on the box score and hope that, you know, both uh, Pujols and Yachty homered or something like that. And I couldn't find a game like that. I could not find a game where Wainwright pitched great and Yachty and Pujols both homered. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not saying my research methods are awesome because they're not. I'm just saying I couldn't find it. But I did find two games that really stuck out. The first is from July 9th, 2010. So over 12 years ago, they beat the Houston Astros, then of the National League, 8-0. to no, eight nothing. Wainwright went eight innings, zero in runs, struck out four, walked three, but we won't worry about that. Um, Albert Pujols went two for four with a home run, a double, an intentional walk, and three RBIs. And Yadier Molina went 0 for 4, which, you know, that happened in 2010, somewhat often with Yadier Molina. Um, But he picked off Michael Bourne trying to steal a base. Uh, So that was one game I found. Another game that goes back even further is from April 16th, 2008. So we're talking over 14 years ago, a 5-4 win over Milwaukee. And this is a fun game. Because Adam Wainwright pitched seven and two thirds, only allowed one run, one earned run that is, and struck out six, but he also hit a home run. Nice. You know this was before the DH. Which hey, yes. I I'm no I I, know, I, uh, I I have no beef <laughs> with the DH. That uh, we would not be Picked talking well for us a lot year. of this if it wasn't for the <laughs> DH. So I'm just bringing that up. Yadier Molina went two for four with an RBI. Albert Pujols went. One for four, but hit a double and drove in two. And so you had those three guys 14 years ago, huge contributions to a game a very long time ago, but also another person who was who is currently sitting in the Cardinals bench also had a major contribution. Do you know who that is?
0: Would it be Skip Schumacher? It
1: would be Skip Schumacher. Nice. Good job, Tara. Skip Schumacher went two for four with a home run, a stolen base, two runs scored, and an RBI. And that just goes to show you like how long these people have been in our lives. Like Nolan Arnado, no one would call him a young guy. Like he's not old, but he's a veteran, right? He's, he's yeah. 31 years yeah. old. You know, he's 31. He's on that other side of 30, still playing very well. We hope he continues to play well for uh, some several years to come, but he's not a young guy. When Albert Pujols made his debut, Nolan arnado was nine. I mean, he was about to turn 10, his birthday is April 16th, so he was, oh, almost, man. was about to turn 10, but he was nine years old. So like you said earlier, it is not a joke that a lot of these players, these current teammates at Albert Pujols grew up watching him, uh, you know, idolizing him um, and are now playing with him. Gosh, some of them probably don't even remember his debut because they were... No. Uh, a lot of players actually probably don't remember his debut because he was too young. Speaking for myself, I was 21 years old when Albert Pujols debuted. I am no longer 21 years old. Um, I am now in my early to mid-40s, whatever you call 43, and married with kids, You know, which was not on my horizon when I was 21. Uh, and I'm sure your life was drastically different when Albert Pujols debuted back in April of 2001. As well, And so that is sort of the trip of the week. Just these guys, these wonderful baseball men have been in our lives for a very long time, have given us a lot of joy over the years. We are certainly going to miss them. I know I'm going to miss them. But the important thing is that we enjoyed them while they were here and that we continue to enjoy them for whatever little time we still have left with them. And that's the trip of the week.
0: I like it Uh, for a for a reference point to perhaps make us all feel old. Nolan Gorman was born in May of 2000. (laughs) So he uh, spent time on a roster with Albert Pujols this year, um, and he was uh, just about a year old when (laughs) Albert Pujols made his debut. So uh, So, good on you, Albert, for sticking it out.
1: (laughs) Gosh, that would have been like if I were to become if I had become a Major League Baseball player and like I was teammates with like. Ricky Henderson or, 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 or you know or something like which would have been possible he played so long but that's what I mean Ricky Henderson yeah. I think was a rookie like the year I was born or something
0: yeah it's it's wild um, and so cool and I, I just find myself so grateful that we've had the chance to witness it and to just watch it play out this year so postseason baseball coming up this weekend hopefully we get a couple of weeks at least out of this postseason thing so we can see more magical moments but alex thank you for uh working out this time so that we could jump on the old podcast uh and and dust the i was gonna say dust the rust off and then i was like that's not that's not the phrase at all.
1: <laughs> I do that so often. I I, <laughs> I take two expressions and combine them to where it's not an expression at all, but everyone kind of knows what I'm trying to say. I Yeah, so I that's yeah. certainly something I would say. Yeah. But no, I'm so that. glad we were finally able to do this. <laughs> this is great. All
0: right. Well, thanks so much to all of you for hopefully enjoying this as you get ready for postseason baseball this weekend. And... Um, we will all see together as we watch with excitement and terror as we go into another postseason run so for alex and birds on the black i'm tara we will talk to you hopefully before the next
1: round